up? What's going on guys? Welcome back to the CW Clinic. We have a couple special things to tell you actually today. Uh, number one is we have a guest here for everyone's pleasure, which I will get to momentarily. Number two is we just quickly wanted to highlight that today is a landmark episode for us. Today is our, well, I believe it was two days ago, Steve. It was. Was our, it was. Was our one year anniversary of, uh, of this show. And we just want to be very forward with our thanks and um, how grateful we are for everyone that listens and all of the feedback that we get and the massive amounts of DMs and everything we can help everybody with. And guys, thank you. This show wouldn't be, wouldn't be anything without you. And we really do appreciate it. So one year in, many years to go. And uh, for all of you that have listened to the last show, you know that we discussed some of my favorite books. And uh, we got into all of these books and so on and so forth. And you guys know that I'm a big, uh, I guess you can say, reader. And, um, and I've talked a lot about the Third Circle Theory and uh, its sequel, Radius, and um, a, lot of some, a lot of good things that have been coming from my mentor, PJ. And interestingly, we just so happened to have Pejman Gadimi, also known as PJ, founder of Exotic Car Hacks, Secret Entourage, and Watch Trading Academy, author of many books, to include Third Circle Theory, which we are going to discuss today on the show live with us. What's going on, PJ? What's up, buddy? I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man. Thanks for thanks for uh, thanks thanks for doing this. We uh, we're uh, we're like little schoolboys right now. I'm grinning. Steve's grinning. Are you grinning? Well, I'm always <laughs> grinning. Life's always good, so we can never complain. You know. Yeah. So I always say, who's listening, anyways? Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we uh, so so you you know my show, our show a little bit. Uh, Steve and I have been doing this for quite some time. The purpose to our show. Our mission to the show is to basically just save everybody time by my mistakes. And I like to teach everyone uh, some simple life hacks, if you will, some time-saving hacks. And uh, a lot of stuff that I talk about is very fundamental in life. And a lot of things that we discuss comes out of books. And... Uh, you know, your book, Third Circle Theory, in particular, has been subject of conversation here quite often. I would say three episodes. Three? Yeah. Is that, is I that would it? say it's, brought, it's been the focus in three and brought up in many. And, and here I am. I'm not even introducing the co-host. Guys, before I get deep into this, <laughs> don't mind me. Um, like I said, I'm a little schoolboy right now. Uh, I want to introduce our co-host, the man that's made all of this happen, the producer, the editor... The everything, the handsome Stephen Taft. How we doing, buddy? You know, it, it, guys, one year in, everything was going smooth. <laughs> I had this down to like an hour and a half process. So what does Chris do? Hey, man, we need to remotely bring in a guest. Cool, I could do that. Oh, by the way, it just so happens to be PJ, so don't screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what I said? No, that's that's uh, why I heard, though. That, that's what you heard. you know... <laughs> Yeah. You know, PJ, around here, when we do things, we like to uh, jump in both feet from a cliff about a thousand feet off the water. That, that's how well, we do things. There's no other way to do things, right? When you want to get stuff done, you just get stuff done. There's no thinking about it. If you want it done, you get it done. 
you got to do it. it. Yeah, we uh, we actually had no clue how to do any of this a year ago. It took us two months to produce our first show and a lot of time and a lot of patience. But uh, all of that is regardless. I think that's just how life goes. And if you want it, you go and take it. And uh, that's realistically the uh, the subject to to everything. I mean, it's the it's the principles to everything. Um, so you're, you know, what's, you know, PJ, you're, you're very, 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 uh, you know, well-known individual and, um, you've done a lot in your life and, um, we really want to be able to educate everyone about you and, in things that you've done. And, uh, I know the topic of conversation here is one of your books. How many books do you have? How many books have you written? So a total of 12 so far, uh, I, I would say that 10 of them were practice runs, even though they were good books, they just weren't really proprietary books. Uh, and my uh, 11 book, Third Circle Theory, is my biggest book. And then its sequel, Radius, uh, came out about a year or so ago. And I am now doing the final version of the trilogy uh, as we speak. So that'll be coming out hopefully in the next year or so. Oh, fantastic. I look forward to that. Oh, you're going to like that one. <laughs> Knowing what I know about you, you're going to like that one. <laughs> so the question I have is, uh, what, what do you think it is that separated the first 10 and third circle theory? Like, what was the biggest leap you made between those practice books and the third circle? So, so you know, when I say they were practice books, it's because, one, I've never read a book in my life, so I don't actually enjoy reading. And mm -hmm. so it was very hard for me to have context about how books are written, right? Like, because I've never read one. So it's kind of like one of these things where when you don't read a lot, it's hard for you to write something or make, create something when you don't know how it's created. So I think that was part of it. Uh, the other part was also that in my life, I've always learned a lot. Uh, and obviously, as individuals who are always in life, both students and teachers, I find it to be interesting that I've learned a lot from others, like most people. Like, I've watched people who are successful in my career in banking. I've watched people who are successful uh, just in general in entrepreneurship and business and I've learned quite a lot from them uh, as I was growing up, you know, from my years of age all the way up to my 30 year of age, right? So all, all of that time I've learned so much and I feel that my first books were really more of a combination of what I had learned from everyone else rather than what I had discovered about life myself. And I think it makes a big difference to discover that there is a difference between the two. Because, you know, in one case, it's very uh, black and white in a sense. Like we can talk about finance, for example. We can talk about like how to make money. And that's a very black and white process that everybody has their own way to get there. Uh, the concept, however, is very much kind of something that's universal. So it's not special. Uh, and I think for me, the first time when I wrote the Third Circle Theory idea or what it was, was really more so around just the concept of reflecting back on my own life and what my personal philosophy on life was, not so much what I had learned from others. And I think the authenticity of the book coupled with uh, the relatability of it, because I wrote it from a perspective of not me trying to teach people, but giving people the opportunity to teach themselves through the book. And so how I wrote it and what I wrote, I think, was what gave this book uh, the real uh, success it's had. It's because people can relate to it and they haven't heard about what's in the book before from someone else. 
You know, it's funny that you say your profession's banking because I know teachers of 20 years that don't get the concept that you just so eloquently explained. Um, within the realm of education, we have something called depth of knowledge, one through four. One is I tell you something, repeat it back to me. Four is I gave you the tools, figure it out yourself. And uh, I, I mean, the depth of knowledge that you just described is something that educators around the globe strive to achieve and here you are and would it be safe to say it's something that you stumbled upon through trial and error no i don't think anything is random i don't believe in the randomness of life uh so i don't think i've stumbled upon it i think i've i've been given the opportunity to practice my skill and talent and over the years i've learned how to develop that skill enough to learn different mediums of communicating it to people and I think I don't look at books as a business or an opportunity to write books. I look at books as one platform to share or to teach my thoughts with others. Uh, and I think that's what differentiates what I do. People write books because they expect their books to be successful and make money off of them. People write books because they want to share ideas. But I think I look at books as just one of the thousands of layers or opportunities I have to share a message with people. Communication. Mm -hmm. The basics, you know, I think life is very basic. We just, as humans, tend to overcomplicate it. I would agree. I would agree <laughs> greatly. So, so PJ, would your books be considered one of your verticals? Um, yes and no. So, you know, education is one of my verticals, right? And I think books are just one medium of creating that education for people. Mm. Uh, so I, I think that uh, in a way uh, for me, Books are more than just a vertical, they're just a means of communication. I really, I genuinely, I know it's hard to believe, but I don't look at any of my books as a business. I, I truly believe in the core message enough to believe that they are a necessity for humanity. And I think maybe that's why I write them with such depth, because I believe that humans will one day look back and be like, oh, we had this tool all along, you know? And it really allowed us to navigate who we are. Uh, and for some reason, it's always been there. And maybe we should start using it, you know? Absolutely. I mean, me, me personally, knowing what I know about you and, and our conversations over the past few months, I, I could totally understand that. It might be a little bit different for maybe someone looking in uh, on our conversation. But I believe that your communication skills are excellent and exquisite and um are very deep at the same time of course but um you know steve i one of the first people i gave your book actually was was steve and uh being an educator himself i mean i knew it was a monstrously different realm of education you know because of i guess you can say restraints you know government restraints and uh, programming on on steve's behalf right because there's some sort of uh suit you have to follow right steve is, is generally what i'm saying i'm supposed to right there's right. a box i'm supposed to fit I, in. I know you don't personally <laughs> i know you don't personally well what i should say is you optimize it for your students but yes. but i get one of the first pers people i gave your book was steve um and um i i think it's i think it'd be interesting to to hear you expand a little bit on it steve well you know there's something that um was just brought up in in your answer there, PJ, that um, I don't know if it was your intention, but it was it was kind of the the way the book started off with kind of your own um, background and 
I'm, I'm trying to choose words here carefully because the word I want to use is enlightening, right? There was almost like, in, as I was reading, I was kind of feeling like I was discovering my own enlightenment as to really searching um, through, a lack of better terms, why the fuck am I here? Why am I doing this? Right, right. right. And um, there was a genuineness to kind of how you shared um, your journey that I, I think makes it very opening and, and appealing to folks. So kind of uh, my takeaway is the way I looked at it, and I don't know if this is how you intended it, uh, PJ, but while it was factual, logical, and, and I guess I'm going to use the term business, like in, in the way it's presented, it also felt very personal and genuine. Did you attempt to put it out there that way? Or is that just the natural way of your communication? Well, so first off, that's where my personal gift comes in, right? Like where I've understood that my gift on in this lifetime is the ability to relate to people. Uh, and, and I felt that it would have been a lost book should it have focused only on one type of person. Mm-hmm. So I, I created a book that could be read by someone who has built a $2 billion business that changes humanity and look back and say, oh, yeah, these are some of the things that I've gone through in my life. And these are some of the things I still fail to go through. And the same way that someone who's never started a business, never been successful in life, never found control over their circumstance in their life could still take it and say, oh, I get why I haven't been able to do that. And I can clearly see what I need to do to change. And I think to write a book that appeals to everyone uh, and no one is a difficult uh, task in the sense that you have to be careful how you craft uh, communication to make sure that one doesn't offend one while pleasing the other or vice versa, but instead one encompasses all aspects of the human mind, psyche, and everything that comes with it. Targets a target audience of no one and everyone at the same time. <laughs> like, that's just kind of a mind-blowing concept. Well, that's know? that's actually PJ. Uh, I, I may have shared with you uh, prior to this. Um, so I don't consider myself well-read, but I do consider myself a reader, if that makes any sense. Meaning, every single day, uh, one of the first things I do in the morning is I read. Um, I, I feel see it on your Instagram all the time. You like it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> like those quotes. I mean, a lot of those yeah, quotes do do come from your books, of course. But um, I I feel that it's necessary for me to expand my knowledge, and 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 I I learn well via reading. I do learn visually, but reading. So what I was getting at is your book in particular was the first one that I cracked open, and I was like, hold the fucking phone here, hold on a second. I need to go back and reread that paragraph. I don't, I don't understand. And that, that, I guess, theme was quite common throughout the entire book. And um, that explanation that you just gave Steve, I would say, is very similar. It's just one of those explanations of such depth and, and such meaning that it, it, I guess it could be considered confusing depending on who reads it, but it's also freeing for for certain individuals that want to understand what it means. Does that, does that make any sense? Yeah, so all, all of my teachings, regardless that they're online or that they're in person or that they're in books or in coaching or anything, come from the thought of philosophy and perspective. 
they don't come from a sense of teaching. So meaning that I consider myself more of someone who shares with people the opportunity of understanding perspective and the opportunity of understanding life philosophy in order for them to truly adopt their own philosophy and their own boundaries of control rather than be guided by those of others. And it might seem weird, of course, to many people listening who might be like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, what, what is this crap? And it's normal because every human being is at a different stage in their life and as a different stage shares a very different perspective. Many people understand that when they're young and they think everything's stupid or everything's dumb because it doesn't fit into their mold of what they are and what they're comfortable with, they dismiss it and five, ten years later go, damn it, I wish I would have done differently then. I would have paid attention to some of these things that were said and I wouldn't have thought everything was bullshit or fake or this and instead I would have taken time and attention to understanding perspectives, which if I would have done, I would have been a lot more successful today. And success doesn't, isn't defined by just the amount of money you have, but success in terms of the control you have over your life, right? And I think that that is the essence of why I say I'm not here to teach the masses. I'm here to teach the select few. And what I mean by that is that while I can help the masses, I'm not here to teach everyone. So I think everyone can make up their own mind as to what they get out of a book. But I think a select few will be able to use the book more than just reading it and saying good or bad book, you know, because they'll be getting the answers that they've been looking for that they haven't been able to put into uh, a tangible, real way of moving forward. So sorry, if that's like super like crazy. No, no, <laughs> no it makes, God, this is excellent. This is gold. It, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, you said some stuff that hit me as a teacher by trade. Um, on like a personal level of, you know, they expect us to teach every single kid, you know, and the truth of the matter is, is as an educator, that's not possible because not everybody learns the same way. Not everybody has the same views on the subjects you're teaching. Um, and we did a whole entire, I think our first two episodes were part one, part two on, on perspective. Yeah. And uh, some people just plain and simple aren't ready to learn yet. Right, exactly. So you have, you know, as I've told Chris before, you have to open someone's perspective first before showing them a path. Because if their perspective won't allow them to to accept that there is an alternative path, then no path you will ever show them will ever resonate with them. And so as a, a philosopher, I feel that that is where my greatest strength is, is my ability to show people an alternative perhaps even one that they didn't believe was even possible, and then show them how to walk through that door. And often it's not an easy path to take, but I always say life is simple, it's just not easy. And I think that's one of the core things that people should learn to live with is that the life in itself has almost zero complication. Uh, It's just not easy to be uncomfortable at all given times while navigating life in general, but the simplicity of it is there. I mean, if you ask most people uh, how or what they want to live by or how they want to live, they can tell you it's very simple. They usually want to be rich. They want to be healthy. They want to have great families. Like these are very simple things, Uh, but they're just not easy to manage altogether, right? It can get cumbersome in life and it can get also overwhelming because there's a lot of mechanics that run through all of these things we want. 
And so the, the more we complicate the things we want, the further we get from actually getting them, the more we're willing to break the comfort level we have in order to venture into the, to the discomfort, the faster we adapt to it and the wider we broaden our perspective. And so all of these things together uh, enable us to create or craft a life we want, uh, not so much build a life on the baseline of the boundaries that were created by others before us. I often say the simplest things in perspective, such as changing your vocabulary can mean a lot. You know, most people will say like, oh, well, why haven't you done this? And they'll say, well, I can't do that. Uh, and I'll say, why can't you? And they don't really have an answer. And so, you know, just changing for like changing your thought process can lead to a lot of growth in general. You could say, well, you know, something's impossible. Uh, instead, you could ask, why is it impossible? Because then you would have to justify not trying rather than justify trying. And so as a result, you can open the path of how you perceive life and as a result, uh, really get very far in it by not being bound by the restrictions of others, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So the, uh, this, the, the, everything that you're saying right now, I, I would just like to be transparent with uh, everyone here is exactly what I came to came to you. I don't want to say for, but to kind of figure because out. of yeah. What were you saying? Because of like yeah yeah because of and uh, and I, I think I think the piggyback off what you're saying is you know there came a point in my life. Uh, let's see, I'm 34, so I'd say I'd say I didn't realize it for probably about a year, but 32 32 years old, I realized that. Um, I may have exhausted what I thought was my skill set and that I needed more um, on many levels to include guidance. But the point is, and what I'm getting at is, all of these words that you're saying are resonating with me very, very well because it's what helped bring me to you. And guys, just to, like I said, to be transparent, what I did was not not only read his book, you know, a handful of times prior, but I just sent him a DM on Instagram, and uh, and long story short, we made we made everything work. Uh, we we had a phone call not very long after. I'd say about two three days after PJ. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something about like a, a four days after. Yeah. yeah, something along those lines, and, uh, and and you know if if this if these words are are resonating with you. And if you guys need help with anything, there's plenty of help. The self-help industry is, is monstrous. But what led me to uh, PJ was his book and all everything that he's saying, which is just reinforcing his book. And um, yeah, I don't really know where I was going that, but I just wanted everyone to know that this is what, this is what well, uh, led me to, to him. You're, you're not that needs uh, qualification at all. I mean, PJ qualifies himself, but right. you're, you're speaking to our audience who knows and trusts you yeah. that you've gone through this process and it's a real thing and it's helped you. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You know? Thank you, Steve. Um, Earlier, PJ, you said something that I was going to let slide, but it's been nagging the back of my mind. Get it. Um, you you said way back, like 10 minutes ago, that you've been a lifelong learner, but you hadn't read a book. Mm -hmm. As somebody with a reading disorder myself who considers myself a lifelong learner, can you kind of uh, help shed light on how did you chase knowledge and learning 
without being a reader? So I've always believed in my life that we're never the victim of circumstance, right? And my circumstance told me that I just didn't learn well when it came to school. I was a C and D student in high school. I just couldn't stay focused in, in the two weeks I went to college. Uh, and and I, just, I just have a hard time like absorbing information in such a mundane way as in a book. Right. And I can't do audiobooks. It's even worse. Like I have zero tolerance for like listening to someone talking long enough, uh, especially just reading off a book, you know. However, I understood in my life that obviously if I lived the life in a way shying away from education, uh, even though I had given up on formal education, then I would certainly never be any type of success as to my own standards or what success was. So I understood that this disability led me to finding alternative ways to generate information. And the way I did that was by paying close attention to, to the messaging of what things are trying to teach us. I found a lot of, a lot of learning through movies. I love movies. I think movies are just powerful. And I don't just mean like Rambo-like movies. I mean like real movies that are in-depth about a person trying to share uh, like a story or share a message with people. And I think movies are just a medium similar to a book. It's the same thing. And the other part to it is I also found that there was a lot of value in getting to know people instead of trying to learn their stories by reading a book, but by literally getting to know what they're about by talking to them. When I was very young, actually, that's what sparked the whole idea of starting the, the business Secret Entourage was when I was really young, you know, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have Instagram, we didn't have all these things on a massive level like we have now. So the only way you really knew if someone was successful is if you saw them on the street and they were wearing something or driving something or lived in a big house and you didn't. And the only way you would get to know what they did is if literally you knocked on the door and asked, hey, what do you do for a living, dude? Like, how do you have these things? And I don't. And I think being in banking, it kind of forced me to open that door even faster because I realized that I had access to everybody's accounts. I could literally see how much money they had. So it made me kind of like reinforce this idea that I need to find out who the top clients are in this bank and I need to understand what they do, who they are. And I used the banking aspect as an open door to enable that conversation. And so I would just reach out to people and offer them lunch, coffee, dinner, anything to get them to share their story with me. And by carefully listening and paying attention, I would identify patterns in people, patterns that enabled me to later uh, leverage those to kind of take control of my own life, you know? So just, I would say to answer your question in short, just movies and interactions have led me to where I am today. I like how simple that sounds with the, the sum up, but really how complicated that is. And it, it saddens me to work with a lot of young people today who have lost that skill of interacting with people. And to be able to um, kind of absorb just by being there, not necessarily doing anything, but carefully watching and taking in the small details and truly trying to figure out the why. Uh, well, you know, it, it goes it goes beyond that, right? I think I've analyzed a lot of young people, and I'll tell you the basis of the way the, the, the environment society has changed in general. If you ask most young people why they work somewhere, the number one reason they work somewhere, even if they don't like working there, is because of the money they make. Right. So they either believe they had no choice but to work there, or it was the first place that offered them a job, or the money can't be replaced, meaning like it's too high of compared to what they could do elsewhere. 
maybe one out of a thousand people that I talk to says I work there because of the person that I'm learning from or because of the skills I'm learning while I'm there. Hmm. And so usually the forefront of things is the money. And so what people are doing, what they're not realizing they're doing is they're giving up, they're selling their time in the present and and in the future against the lowest possible wage they could earn based on the lack of skills they have today. And they're not concerned about their future at all, actually, because they're not even consciously aware of the fact that they could be earning 14, 15, $20 an hour. But if they're not learning anything new or working with people that are going to help them level up, what they're doing is they're guaranteeing $20 an hour 10 years from now. They're not looking at their job as a stepping stone to finding their purpose, pushing themselves onwards and, and growing into the person they're meant to become. They look at their job as a way to facilitate their need for money, pushing them further away from understanding how money works in itself. So I think that this obsession people have with money is their misunderstanding of money, which is ultimately the, the reason why a lot of young people uh, really can't get past that is because they're constantly measuring themselves against others based on this one currency, which is money. And as a result, they're forgetting that even money in itself is a journey. It's not something you get and you lose and you get and you lose. It's a journey. And it's the byproduct of the evolution of who you become. And as a result of that, they're only chasing the money. They're not becoming the person that gets chased by money. And I think that is such a big difference in those who are very successful and those who are not. Those are some heavy statements, huh, Steve? Uh, I'm just like in total, I mean... I see it daily. I see it daily. The 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 kids that trade out um, coming to school for two minimum wage jobs. Um, the internships I've offered people that they turned down. You know, I, I'm fortunate enough to be connected with a lot of great people that do everything from welding to running multiple companies. I could hook you up with whatever skill set you want to learn but you got to do it for free for a while and, and watching them pass on the opportunity to, to move forward and, and bury yourself, you know, it's yeah. your own passions. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I'm sure it's pretty difficult for you. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is, but you know, you can't force somebody that's not ready to be there yet. Right. Well, I think that comes down to the matter of perspective, like we were discussing prior, maybe, maybe changing the perspective. Would you say PJ? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I like to live life too. If I leave your readers, I know because we, we only limited on time today. We can't talk for like three hours, but I think if I, if I was to really try to get people to believe in one perspective or another would be to get them to believe that there's no such thing as what I call the absolute truth. And me and Chris have talked about this. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I think about it every day. Right. So so once you start living your life through the lens of no absolute truth, you start to understand what life is really about. And what what is the lack of absolute truth? It is that we are born, like, what is the third circle theory, right? Like, what does it stand for for people who haven't read it that might be listening? The first circle is the mastery of circumstance. The second circle is the mastery of society. And the third circle is the mastery of life. Three basic core concepts that every human being has the opportunity to get through in life. 
but may not, you know, depending on how they are, they may get stuck in a circle. They might get to the second circle. They might venture in the third before falling back. There's many ways you'll have to read the book in full to get through the three circles and understand what allows a person to navigate one to the next. But one of the best ways to navigate life in general, if I can leave people with maybe at least something actionable they can use, is to understand that we as human beings are in need of control mechanisms. We have control mechanisms like school systems, governments, religion, all of these things that give us guidelines on how to operate, what is right, what is wrong. And we build what we call an absolute truth in our mind, which is what we believe to be the correct way to live life or what we believe to be the correct way to live life based on other people's control mechanisms that have been given to us previously and that we've adopted either based on our parents, family or friends or influences or anything else. And when we believe in control mechanisms, that means we are teaching ourselves to operate within a box, within the confines of four walls. We are told these are the four walls. This is right. This is wrong. You can, you can't. And we live in this world where we are defined by the perspective in which we see things. If we believe we can, we will. If we believe we can't, we won't. If we believe it's wrong, we won't do it. If we believe it's right, we'll push for it. As a result of that, we live very limited lives. If we can let go, and this is something you'll have to practice over time. It's not something that just comes, oh, okay, I'm going to accept it. If we can come to terms with the idea that truth in itself is nothing more than based on perspective, not based on a factual evidence, then we can understand that your perspective dictates your belief system. So I think one of the best exercises people can do is to live in a world where they don't believe in an absolute truth, meaning that if something is factual to one person, it can also be wrong to another person. And it can also ultimately be perceived as wrong or right by someone else. And so if we understand that our view in the world is subject to perspective, then we must understand that everything we believe in is equally true as much as it's equally false. And we stop worrying so much about doing the right thing. And we start realizing that life isn't just about seeking happiness, but rather life is about, and it's not about seeking happiness or validation, that we're doing the right thing, we're being good humans or not, but rather life is about creating meaning and reason for existence and enabling progress towards that meaning to become the happiness that we seek. The outcome is happiness either way, but one is sustainable and the other one isn't. So if we understand that a world that is equally false can be equally true and equally true can be equally false, then we stop trying to seek validation and focus more on creating meaning than trying to justify if we should or shouldn't do something. Like if it truly hits your core to have relationships with eight different people, you may think like, oh, well, my religion says this is wrong. But you also have to understand that there's a religion that says this is right. And there's someone who doesn't believe in religion that also doesn't care. So what I'm saying is perspective defines how you behave, right? And if you stop trying to behave towards what the guidelines are that others have set for you, you start trying to choose how you live instead of trying to live correctly based on other standards. And I think that is the key to growing as a human being towards a state of self-actualization, a state where one is in full control of his body 
mind and soul simultaneously to a manner where they are not impacted by those same control mechanisms that were created to keep people in check. Because anytime, well, like you'll have some people say, well, I don't believe in government and I don't believe in uh, the school system. It's all crap. But then they're like, well, I believe in religion. And I'm like, I don't understand. They're like, well, the government's control and the education systems control, but religion's the right thing. So you see, that's an absolute truth where someone believes in one control mechanism, but not another, right? And if they do that, then they're forever doomed because they'll always be at the boundary of what is right or wrong based on the standard of their religious belief, even if they don't believe in another control mechanism. And so you have to be able to let go of all control mechanisms to be able to decide what meaning will be created through your life. Yep. <laughs> I see I see your I see the smoke billowing out of your ears, Steve. Oh, I'm just as somebody that teaches moral and ethical psychology, he's currently speaking to the roots and core of everything that I believe and stand for. So good. Good. And PJ, it's also what you're saying is virtually the premise of third circle theory, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. hundred percent. Everything <laughs> I teach in third circle is just enabling people to understand that as human beings, we do not have a beginning and ending. We are only individuals who expand and retract our energy to become. And so the more we focus our life on becoming and less worry about the beginning or ending of things or finding conclusions to life or etc. the more we focus on becoming, the more meaning we give to our sense of purpose. And you know, a lot of people argue, well, how do you find purpose in life? Well, on the basis of two very simple elements, creativity and excellence. If you are excellent at anything you do, you will certainly become more creative at it. The more creative you become at it, the more excellent you become in life. And so it's a continuous, uh, flow and then the more committed you become to something the more passionate you are towards it The more excellent you are at it the more you realize that that's what you want to bring to the world and the more meaning you give your life And it's a never-ending cycle that keeps giving the more excellence the more progress the more progress the more happiness and it's like this never-ending quest Steve I'm down for progress and happiness always, you yeah. know, yeah, I mean I don't even know how to follow that up. I'm going to be honest. That's like the the thoughts spinning in my head right now. You know, it, it's I'm already trying to figure out how to move forward and execute this information that's been taken in. Yep. You know? This is nothing new. And no, I'm, not, I'm not putting the spotlight on me. This is very common for me as well. You know? So, and this is how I feel every time we do this show, man. It's, it's, uh, Always new information taken. Always stuff to be applied to figuring out who I am and what I'm doing and moving forward with that and figuring out how to execute upon what it is I want out of life. And we've discussed that many times here on this show. Yep. And you've come, you've personally come come leaps and bounds since we started. And uh, it, it looks like you're doing pretty damn well at it. Hey, you know, it's... It's funny, PJ, uh, your student has become my teacher and uh, the circle, you know, continues there because I, I turn around and give what I can to my students, you know, so it's just going on down the line. 
Yeah. Well, you... all students and teachers in every lifetime, right? That's yeah. kind of the point, you know? We learn something new and we can share it with others. That's the beauty of continuity and how our human race is connected to one another. We may not realize it, but it's just how this works, you know? It's necessary. You know, one of the things I say that uh, people often mistake in this lifetime is the ability to have definitions. And someone goes, well, what's the definition? And definitions are funny. It's how we define words and language is usually how we define our life the same way. Uh, do you, you understand what I mean by that or do you want me to explain it? Can you open that up a little more for me? Yeah. So let's say, for example, we use words like let's just use an example like the word entrepreneur. I'm sure many people watching believe they're entrepreneurs, right? right. How we define entrepreneurs makes that word true or false. Correct? Yep. If I call myself an entrepreneur and I think an entrepreneur is nothing more than a person who works for themselves, well, then I'm not lying, correct? I'm an entrepreneur. Because that's if, what you believe. Yeah. But if I have a true definition of entrepreneurship towards the fact that entrepreneurship is about social change and, and growing the world around you, then maybe I'm not an entrepreneur if I just own a pizza shop. Maybe I'm just a business owner that owns a pizza shop. What I'm saying is there's a lot of words in the world out there that are misused or, or misquoted. And as a result, um, people, based on their perspectives, never find growth within them. Because if we believe you're an entrepreneur just because you're self-employed, you're never seeking to become a true entrepreneur because you're already thinking you are, you know? Yep. So I like defining things clearly and often this helps um, with understanding what you want your life to mean. So a lot of people will say, well, I want to get rich. I'm like, well, that's not a destination. They're like, well, getting rich is a destination. I'm like, no, it's not. And they're like, what is it? I'm like, it's a reward at the destination. So where do you want to go? They go, I have no idea. I'm like, so you lack destination. But because we're never thinking about the word destination, we confuse it with the word reward. <laughs> There's a, I know you can't see us, PJ, but there's a goofy grin on both of our faces right now. <laughs> so, so, and I, I completely agree. And, um, and it's, uh, every day is a little bit different for me personally, uh, just by trying to apply principles that um, I'm learning. And I've personally tried to facilitate a lot of learning uh, through your through your books and uh i've we've given out plenty on the show we've we've mailed them to people we've um we've had people come to us to get them i know you have many avenues of approach to get the book as well i think this might be a good point to maybe direct everyone to where they could find it granted they know they can come to me but they can also find it everywhere from you correct well, I would think if someone by now doesn't know where to find a book, they probably aren't going to read it anyways. That's 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 very true. That's very right? true. You know, I, I've done so many shows and they're always like, where can people go to find you? And I'm like, people that know what they want to learn from me will find me because they'll make an effort to find me. Would you would you argue would you argue that maybe they just need a little nudge in the right direction? Uh, no, because if they need an external nudge, they're not ready for the type of teaching I'm going to give them. Right. So what I'm trying to say is they can read a book by going anywhere like Amazon or wherever a book is sold. Right. 
True. Buying a book won't get them to be smarter. Reading it won't get them to be smarter. Getting to understand it and spending time with it will. That's where the personal decision comes in, you know? Very true. And that's where the <clears throat> difference is from people who find their purpose in life and not. Is because they are taking action consciously and not because of what they might get from the action. People, that's why I told you it's a book for everyone and no one. People will read a book and be like, am I going to get rich? I'm like, no. Am I going to get smarter? No. Am I going to get stronger? Probably not by reading a book. And they're like, so what am I going to get out of it? I'm like, nothing. Because you're expecting to get something out of a book. And that's where the mistake is, right? Absolutely. Do you, would you say it's a common theme that uh, you're asked about how to get rich or um, the journey to becoming rich? I, I just, I'm picking up on a, on a theme here. Yeah, all the time. That's what everybody asks. Everybody asks how to get rich? Mm-hmm. Interesting. On the surface, I mean, most people can only see the surface, right? Yeah. They don't look past the surface. They see, oh my God, like these guys have a big house, they've got cars I want. Okay. How'd you do it, man? Okay, well, did you Google? Did you pay attention? Did you seek an answer before you asked the question? Often the answer is no. So even if I told you how I did it, would it matter? Are you going to duplicate it? Probably not. No, no, because it's everyone's personal journey, right? It's just... Well, because you're not trying trying to understand. You want an answer. You're not looking for the equation. You want the answer given to you. You want the fish without going fishing, without learning the techniques. Well, you're asking me, where is the fish? You don't want to become a good right. fisherman. Yeah, like the, like, what is it? The honey hole? Is that what it's called, Steve? Yeah. The sweet yeah. spot? Yeah. Okay, you're the fisher, Steve. Hey, man, that's not a rod behind me for nothing, all right? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it, not that it doesn't surprise me, but, you know, I get asked about money a lot, and um, I try to teach I try to teach mindset around money and, and, and um, wealth to a degree. And um, I, I find that it's it's something that is commonly confused with happiness is is money and wealth, and I just wanted to hear that from your perspective as well. If if people ask you about uh, getting rich or how to get rich or when am I going to get rich, and I think it would be it's good to know that it's um it's something that's asked very often to many people, and we all answer it in different ways. Yes, absolutely. So, um, I mean, we, we can all argue that the world is changing, right? And yeah. it's changing very fast, correct? Correct. From business to politics to the garbage we see on TV to spirituality to everything else, the rules of how we think and how people think are changing all the time. Our understanding for one another, our beliefs, our function are changing. And as a result, the rules of existing are also becoming more and more blurred with the rules of living, if that makes sense. I mean, most yes. of us as human beings always wonder what is the purpose of our existence, right? Is there something greater? Is there a bigger reason why we exist? Is it God? Is it the universe? Is it the energy that guide us? Like, how do we explain these forces, these events, you know, how they're happening in a synchronized manner? Like, we question our existence all the time, do we not? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, so then the question becomes really around the idea that if we are engineered or have evolved to become who we become, right? Yeah. And then the question remains, if we have been engineered, then the question is why? So then it brings us to the, we always question why in our own life. Why do we exist? What is the purpose of our existence? 
And so as a result, we kind of create what we call a perimeter of living life. In other words, like an internal matrix or bubble, and then refer to it by, you know, as such, primarily focused around money. You know, we create a, a world of truth based on our understanding of definitions we talked about earlier, you know, mm-hmm. that we've been raised with, thought over time or learned to accept or live by, however way you want to look at it. And then these definitions bring us back to our absolute truth, which is what we believe as a convincing truth that we've accepted to define our existence or ultimately give it its meaning. So, you know, this idea of having predetermined or pre-established definitions is really funny because we spend our entire lives really searching for like various ways to define our own lives for being individuals and being different, creating impact, having greater consciousness. And yet we still rely on just one set of definitions all the time to do that, right? These definitions have been established hundreds of years ago. Try to think about that. Hundreds of years ago by other individuals who shared like less than 0.001% of our capacity as humans, yet they're the ones defining our definitions in life, right? And the amount of collective information available today is insane, right? So yet why do we continuously rely on these so-called definitions that have created the boundaries of our life, right? So I can leave you with the idea that it's partly because we're human and we can only exist when structure exists in our lives. And we can't make sense of the idea that without a beginning or an end, we cannot seem to understand where we fit into the picture. So boundaries and structure enables us to understand like where the beginning of our lives are and when the ending gets there. Without an ending, we can't understand where the beginning, where the middle, and where living and surviving, you know, decipher from each other. So this is both from a physical and uh, spiritual standard. So, you know, basically the definitions we've created are the boundaries we use to give meaning to the words. But yet we've never actually stopped to think that perhaps these same boundaries are the reasons we don't advance. So our inability to rewrite or define our understanding is the limitation we have self-created for ourselves and never have ever questioned it since. So this really leads us to the idea of what is truth and what is perspective. And so if we think that truth is based on perspective and perspective creates truth, and you might have to re-listen to this five times, then... (laughs) Can once can we say, right, that only one possible scenario exists to answer a question? No. So can can we argue that the same question could have two answers and yet both answers could be accurate? Or more. Yeah. So let's take the basic question of are oranges are they colored orange? Is this statement like a true fact? Because I accept my I accept what that oranges are colored as such, right? Or because we have come to accept that the word orange is not associated with a choice color. So this basic structure allows me to give sense to language and communicate with a common set of words that are commonly accepted as the truth in society. So therefore, ultimately structure gives the validation that our perspectives are aligned to a commonly accepted truth 
and that variations are considered mistruths. And I think that it's very important to understand that while the majority of humans need constant structure to define the perspective, some of us, known as higher humans, are able to shift these perspectives by redefining those definitions on an ongoing basis. So we can push, reshape, and recreate our internal belief system. So most humans live in a hard edge box, like you talked about earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's how teachers are taught to teach. But that's also like ultimately thinking that the four boundaries that enable those people to slowly make sense of everything happening to them is that box. But those of us that are higher humans live in circles and these circles are forever expanding and forever retracting. And therefore we're living in a world not yet defined by past circumstance, but rather defined by our future possibility. Does any of this make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. Steve, do you remember when I told you within five, um, did I cut you off DJ? I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I was just going to make fun of myself for a second. Um, and within five minutes, I spilled my water all over his car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you understand why? Yeah. I, guess. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm right now. Um, these are the types of conversations in my life that I enjoy having. Right. Uh, oftentimes, as a social studies teacher, people assume I give a shit about things like politics. And I am more interested in why people care about topics than the topics themselves. So for me right now, this, this whole past hour that we've been talking, has just been straight up fuel for, uh, my, my need for higher communication. And it's pretty dope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Listen, uh, PJ, we, uh, we want everyone to know, where they can find you. Can we at least direct to your Instagram? Of course. They can find me on at I Create Millionaires on Instagram. They can find me at hegemongademy.com. You know, I mean, if they just put my name in Google, there's 500 different places they can find that can connect them to me. I, so, would, rec- I would recommend finding them all, guys. Every single, every single platform. Um, if you're an avid Instagram user, um, it's at I Create Millionaires, correct? Correct. Yeah. And there's several others which you can funnel to as well with his, all of his other companies and see everything that he's doing and all of the impact that he's making and the lives that he's changing and so on and so forth. And I, I highly encourage everyone to follow him. Um, Steve, where can they find you? Um, at the student teacher 87 on Instagram. All right. All right. And you guys know you can find me at Chris Warren's one. Um, before we go, uh, PJ, we just want to give you a big formal thank you for your time. Thank you for making this happen. Thank you for, um, thank you for everything, man. Uh, I personally, I know we also truly appreciate it and I just want to make sure I'm articulating it as clear as possible that we're very grateful for you and your time, my friend. Well, you are, uh, more than welcome. I'm always happy to help enlighten people as much as I can. And hopefully I didn't bore you guys too much with all this philosophy stuff. I loved it, man. Every minute of it. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, no, no, there was nothing boring about that at all. I, I always find myself trying to dissect all of, uh, 
the communication while it's happening. But I do a lot of my dissecting while I, um, um, what's it called? Um, marinate on, on the topics. But, uh, that's about all we have. Do you have any final words, PJ? No, I think I, I just want to leave people with the idea that based on everything we talked about, and I told you about the absolute truth, just remember that once we accept the lack of an absolute truth in the context of choice in itself, we remove the need to validate a direction and allow our belief to remain our sole guide towards where we want to head. It no longer becomes the correct path, the correct way to live or correct direction, but instead simply a step towards that goal. And if you just listen to that over and over again and help it make sense in your life, hopefully you'll be in a better place by tomorrow morning. Yep, I could, I definitely, I definitely <laughs> would back that up. Yeah, guys, think about, think about everything that was said and, uh, and, um, just realize that there's no absolutes. It's been a big thing for me. And uh, I hope that this message receives you well. Until next time, we'll catch you then. Stop.